When we were out the other night, <laughs> you told somebody, <laughs> somebody asked what you did for a living mm. and what did you tell them? Right, I need to set the scene. It was in between Christmas and New Year. It was mm -hmm. a very drunken night. We were on the dance floor. Somebody asked what I did for a living. It just wasn't the time to start explaining what advising is, what power planning is. In that moment, they'd have probably fallen asleep. I couldn't think of an alternative. <laughs> so I just said I was on the doll. <laughs> I, I mean, you could have said astronaut, uh, yeah, no, diver. Literally, do you know how far I got to thinking? All I could think as an alternative was accountant. And I was like, oh no, it's almost the same. <laughs> it's and, not even yeah. it, It's ridiculous. I just felt I couldn't have a single one or two word answer. I knew it would shut the conversation down. And actually, even if I'd said accountant, people understand what accountants do. So you could yeah. just say accountant. And it's not that it's the most thrilling thing, mm -hmm. but it would be enough information for them to go, oh, I get that. Mm -hmm. If I said power planning or financial advice, people just don't know what financial advisor does all day long, certainly not what power planner does. And yeah, 2am in Yam's coolest club wasn't really the place to get into it. <laughs> Which is a good point. Somebody had said to me 20 years ago, what's a financial advisor? I would, say, I would hazard a guess at somebody who advises on financials mm -hmm. um, but know nothing else about yeah. it. I would think yeah. maybe somebody in the bank. Yes. Um, yeah. When I went for my first mortgage, it never occurred to me to get a mortgage advisor. I just literally went to the bank I'd yes. had since I was a child yeah. and said, can you help me with the mortgage? People don't know about financial services, either advice or planning or the positives that I can bring. And they don't, if they do know it, they don't trust it. It seems to me there's a lot of different um, lawyers and things putting adverts out saying, um, have you been missold your pension? Have you lost money? So those people who even know about financial services don't trust it because all they hear about is this kind of thing, you know, there's the PPIs. Before that there was the bank charges and yeah, everyone was reclaiming yeah. bank charges. So it's the language around it, it's negative, but it's also so flipping dull. So I was driving <laughs> into work and there was an advert around, um, do you need to get your finances order? And my my instinct and what happened was I just flicked onto the next radio station because I thought, oh, that sounds rubbish. But then I literally thought, oh no, I'm, I'm doing a podcast on this. I need to kind of listen to it. And I like flicked back. Um, but even somebody who works in it and is doing a podcast on it still finds it's just a turn off, isn't it? It's just mm. a big turn off. This podcast is sponsored by The Art of Finance. We'll make learning the world of finance interesting, modern and fun. So there was this article, the levels of trust in, in different parts of financial services. You could do it as a little game, actually, see if you can guess. Go on then. So um, what percentage of people trust fund managers? Oh, 0.3. Oh! <laughs> Ow. A little bit higher. 10%. 12. Ooh. I know. So 12%. Um, wow. What about, we talked last time round in the last podcast about insurance providers so what percentage trust insurance providers do you think uh, 50 percent let's start in the middle no lower 40 <laughs> no 20 27 it's not too bad you know mm. more than twice as trustworthy it's as only a quarter of fund managers so isn't it what do you think about insurance providers? i wonder if it's all those horror stories of how they crashed the car and it took a year for the insurance yeah. to pay out if you do have an accident and it pays out really quickly there's nothing worth talking about true but if you've had a bad experience and it didn't pay out because i don't know your tail light was out or something you know with my car when that bin lorry just rammed into my car and i was sat mm -hmm. stationary 
but then the insurance procedure was still an absolute nightmare because the driver of the bin lorry was just saying, no, it wasn't my fault. And So actually experiences like that, when people talk about that, that yeah. does give a bad Fix the view trust. of insurance. So, so what about advisors then? So financial advisors, what percentage of people trust them? Let's start with 50 again. <laughs> Pick it out your game, lower. 30. Lower. Wow. Only a bit lower than 30, so 28%. So, so similar to insurance yeah. companies. If we think people are not trusting insurance companies based on experience, shared experiences, is that a similar thing with advisors? Are people having bad experiences? Or is it more like the fund managers where it's the headlines and it's what they're reading? It's why I never look at, when I book a hotel, I never look at, you know, reviews. I do a little bit, but I take them with a pinch of salt because I think for the majority of yeah. people, they'll only write a review yeah. if they've had a really rubbish time. I mean... Unless there's, you know, really a load of them. And I think, oh, well, actually, yeah, I don't really like cockroaches in my food. Yeah. So, and I wonder if it's just that, that you do tend to only hear the bad things. So when you hear about, like I say, those radio adverts that say, have you been missold? Yeah, yeah. It's the wording that yeah, they well, use. It's all time with the same brush, isn't it? We're and talking about the difference selling. of... We're talking about planning and how we can make you great and how you can move to Italy when you retire. Um, interestingly, the fund managers were the least trusted um, and then the most trusted was retail banks. So kind of you, you strip out ones, but even that's only 32%. So it's just a really, really low level of trust yeah. in all of financial services. The highest of any trust is less than a third yeah. of people, which is absolutely crazy. Yeah, I think part of the, the lack of trust is, yeah, firstly, it's the headlines. And then we've said as well, it's about people just not knowing what an, advi an advisor does. You know, what do yeah. they do day to day? What areas can they help with? How can they benefit me? What am I paying for? Exactly, and what's the what value of my money? To, yeah. You know, how, how qualified are they? Where, who says that you're an advisor? Who qualifies mm -hmm. you as an advisor? I'd feel the same with a plumber. If I had to get a plumber around, um, how do I know that you're qualified? Yeah. How do I know that? I know there's a standing body, yeah. but... I know that what it is for a plumber, but I don't know what it is for an electrician or a roofer yes. or anybody you get into yeah. your property. So I feel the same about roofers as many people feel about financial advisors. Yep. How do you know if you've got a good one? Yeah, until your roof starts leaking. <laughs> <laughs> then you haven't. Again, analogy's not my, not my thing. So, you would use an advisor mm -hmm. to get advice around your finances. Mm -hmm. You would use a plumber to get advice around your pipes and your heating <laughs> and so on. Mm -hmm. There's a roofer to look after your house. What one area of your life have you not got a specialist in or guru in that you would like to have? If you could just wave a wand. It doesn't have to be an existing real life tradesperson. Just what, what thing could you just do with somebody being able to fix for you? I don't know. I feel like I'm pretty good at everything. <laughs> do I need a guru for something? <laughs> Hairdresser, maybe? You think you're good at everything. Um, yeah, so mine would be a sommelier. I just feel like somebody who would stop me from drinking the same wines all the time. Oh, it's and hard life. Me to, I know, introduce me to new ones, pair them well with the meals. You think that's a real thing? I don't think it is. I think wine's wine and food's food. No, it's definitely a real thing. I can't believe you've gone for a sommelier when you would so desperately need a PA. Why do I need a PA? A, when we went on holiday last year, you left your passport. <laughs> you get the wrong trains, missed trains all the time. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You don't know where your life insurance documents are. I yeah. don't think I need... Yeah, I do need to pay it. If you could go back in time and give your 18-year-old self a single piece of advice, Ooh. Um, financial advice, before you try oh, right. and prevent yourself from having children at an early age. I wouldn't say that. I bet that's awful. Not. I was literally thinking, don't bleach your hair. Oh, that would be a good piece of advice. But financial advice, what would you tell your 18-year-old self? 
just start saving. Start saving now, what you can. 20 quid a week. Anything. Do not remortgage your house. <laughs> so yeah, that, you know. Save, 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 save. What about you? What would I tell 18 year old me? Oh, just that credit cards are not a thing. Because when you're, <laughs> when you're 18, they just throw, they know that you've got absolutely no control, that all of a sudden you're able to buy things before you can afford them. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, you, don't need you do them. not need Have you got all those pairs now? of boots that I bought when I was 18. Exactly. Absolutely not. No, no. no nothing. But you could still be paying for it 20 years later. Absolutely. And the interest rates are disgusting. Mm -hmm. Loans, because they threw that at me. Got credit cards, because they threw that at me. Spent years and years and years repaying it so I would say to my 18 year old self you just do not need all that shit just don't do it stop buying shit 18 year old and um, so let's look at a couple of misconceptions so if I ask you some questions are you ready to give me some answers um takes a slug of wine yes great people say I don't earn much money so I don't need a financial advisor right um wrong people look at the Beckhams and the Roonies and think oh well they need financial planners because they've got so much money in well and all no that, I'd say it's the opposite because actually they they don't need to sit and work out you know when they can retire because they can they can retire yes. they, they could have retired yeah. at 30 if they've got the what money do you think general people who maybe they earn 30,000 pound a year do they think Oh, well, actually, financial planning's not for me. You know, I'm, I live day by day, I live month by month. There's a lot of change happening, and yes, in the past, that's probably how it was. So maybe it's not a misconception, maybe it's a lack of recognition of the fact that it has changed. Just tell me a little bit more about the kind of benefit ordinary people, just like you or I, or people who only have a little bit of money, what they can get from a financial advisor. You know, we, t we talked about last episode about insurance and actually if you know nothing else, just get something, it's better than absolutely nothing. But speaking with an advisor, they won't have you just get something, they'll have you get something that's completely tailored to you and that could mean that you end up paying less because you're getting the right kind of thing. Um, same with mortgages, they'll bring experience to reviewing the mortgage market, they'll know which lenders deal with certain areas better. You know, if you've got unusual circumstances, if you've got bad credit history, if you're self-employed, if you've recently changed jobs, all of these things, just going online and comparing on a website, you're not going to get that same level of expertise. So I think there's value an advisor can add, even in the stuff that seems quite straightforward and you might think you could just do it. I think it's interesting what you say that about the online comparison sites and things, which are great for a certain level. I compare it a little bit to... You know, if you've got a bit of a cold or you've got, like, I don't know, a pain in your foot, you will Google it and, I mean, inevitably you'll end up with cancer because that's where all... All of Dr. Google, Google yeah, goes. Yeah, Dr. Google, Google leads to cancer. But if you genuinely thought you had a health issue, mm -hmm. you would not You would go to a doctor. Absolutely. Or yeah. you would see a nurse. Do you not think financial advice is the same? You know, for some things you could probably do it online, but actually for something so important as yeah, yeah. when you can retire and spend more time with your family and do yeah. more things that you want to do, is it not worth just speaking to somebody? Yeah. So if I'm not into gambling with stocks and shares and buy, 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 sell, 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 I don't need a financial advisor, right? Um, absolutely wrong. Do you think people um, looking at financial advice and think it's a bit Wolf of Wall Street, that there's just loads of men doing cocaine and shouting, buy, 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 sell, sell, sell? <laughs> Do you think we need to explain a bit more that there's a lot more to it than stocks and shares and trading? I think the way I would describe it is stocks and shares and trading is investment management. And investment management can form a part of financial advice, but financial advice is the bigger picture. Financial advice is understanding all the different areas of your life, every single touch point of finance, and getting that in the best possible shape for you, what you have right now and where you want to go in the future. It's not a one-off thing. It's not a 
invest in this stock market, this share and off you go. It's, it's a journey that you would go through. What does a typical day look like for a financial advisor? Um, oh, <laughs> I want to, it, it's a joke, but it's not a joke. So what they do is drink tea and eat cake with their clients. What they're actually doing is having very personal conversations with clients where they're finding out their, you know, their current situation, mm -hmm. which is quite a personal topic anyway, but then their future goals, and then using that to kind of pull a plan together. So yeah, I think the majority of what a good advisor does, they sit and talk to clients, they sit and really dig deep into them and their circumstances and what they need and help them find the best possible solutions. Once over, you didn't really have to have any qualifications to be an advisor. You were essentially a salesman in a lot of ways. I don't think people realise how much it's changed in financial services and how qualified people actually have to be to give this kind of advice. Mm -hmm. so. so yeah, I think a lot of people don't know that finance underwent a big transition in 2012 and that's when um, a review came in that increased the minimum level of qualification that every single financial advisor has to have. So if you are dealing with a financial advisor and they are regulated to give advice, which you'll be able to see off their website, they're regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority, they have to be at a level four, so that's a diploma in financial planning. So that was a big change. It meant that a lot of the older school salespeople that we've talked about, they dropped out of the industry. They didn't want to be involved. They didn't want to do extra qualifications and a whole new level. Most advisors that I know, they just they want to help people. It almost doesn't matter that it's in finance that they're helping them. It's the fact that they can see that they've got some knowledge, they've got some qualifications, they've got some experience, and they can use that to impact on people's lives in a really good way. Nurses are looked upon as much more favourably, yep. hardworking, work long hours, um, really caring, really empathetic. We see a lot of that in financial services yeah, and yeah. advisors. Yeah. They're just looking after your wealth as opposed yeah. to your health. I like that. Yeah, it's good, isn't it? Don't steal it. So all of this is all well and good and it's great, but what a lot of people are thinking is, all right, that sounds great. How much is it going to cost me? So again, we talked about 2012. There was a big change. Mm -hmm. Previously, advisors were paid by commission mm -hmm. and that came out of the plans or the products that you bought. And this is where the sales culture came from. And this was a big thing that the regulator wanted to change, that people did start to trust finance more. And despite the stats that we talked about earlier, I do think there has been a big increase in the trust in financial services. And um, so something like a mortgage or a protection plan, they'll still pay a commission to the advisor. So you would just pay your monthly premium to your mortgage or your monthly premium to your life insurance. £8.65. £8.65. That company would then give a lump sum to your advisor. But everything else, you have to pay a fee to your advisor. It's very clear, it's very upfront, it has to be discussed and agreed. It varies from the type of advice that you're looking for, it varies from the advisor that you work with. I think the key thing is that people understand it's disclosed, it's very clear, it's very transparent, there's no kind of you know sneakily getting money out of your plans that you don't know about. Do you think people think they can't afford it? Do you think they think it's too expensive? Yes, um, I do think that's a big issue. I have a friend who, because she knows I work in finance, went out and spoke to a financial advisor and they gave her a quote for doing a full financial plan. So that would be spending a lot of time sitting with her and her husband, going through their situation, creating an overall plan for them, saying to her, this is what you need to do, this is where you should be directing your savings, kind of doing cash flow analysis mm -hmm. and looking at when you might be able to retire and just really helping pick, build a picture of their lives. But the fee for that, so basically the, the fee came out about £2,500 and she just went, well, I haven't got £2,500, I can't afford it. 
And that immediately turned her off, the idea of getting financial advice. She just didn't want anything to do with it. So when I challenged back and said, well, okay, but do you think there's value? Do you think £2,500 to have a plan for your life and to know where to be spending your money every month is worthwhile? If you had that £2,500 available, would you spend it on that? She said, yes, I get the value of it. I just haven't got £2,500. So then I said, well, what if you could pay that every month over a year? So you pay £200 mm. a month, almost like a payment plan mm -hmm. to get that, that plan that sets you up for the next however long. And she said she would have done that. And um, I actually fed that back to the advisor because I knew them as well and said, you know, this might be something that you need to consider because ordinary people just go, well, I haven't got £2,500. It's a huge amount. When you compare it, I might spend £2,500 on a holiday in a year. Yeah, but actually, yeah, yeah. if it means that I can retire five years earlier absolutely. and have lots more holidays, yeah. is that not an investment in itself? In and the I think future? that's a lot of the challenge, isn't it? It's the value of financial advice. And it's value is so value. intangible anyway. Financial advice is mm. so intangible. People don't really understand it. You put the two together and it's, it's really, really difficult. Yeah. to wrap your head around. Speaking of that, how would you go about finding a financial advisor? Personally, how would I start? How would I? I, I, just I mean, you know Google. a lot of them. I know. So. I was just, yeah, if I didn't know them, you would. You would just go to Google. There are advisors who will deal with clients remotely. They'll deal with them via Skype. I think for something so personal, most people still want to just sit and talk face to face. So I would use one of the comparison websites, find who's near me in my local area or within a distance that I'm willing to travel. Um, and then, yeah, just drop them, you know, look at the website to get a good feel from them, how modern they are, how personable they are. A lot of them now put their fees on the website so you can tell up front exactly what it'll cost you. Have a chat with a couple. They're generally very open and accommodating to people. Just getting in touch and wanting to have a little bit of a chat and a little bit of it. You don't need to be kind of nervous about having those initial discussions. Yeah. It's about you as a person and genuinely what it is that you're wanting to achieve. And I think that can be quite a big personal hurdle for people to kind of go through. They've seen it all before. We deal with so many advisors. I have not seen, you know, it's rare now I get a new scenario. Um, so there's nothing to be like when you've got about. the gynecologist. <laughs> they've yeah, seen it all they've before. Seen it you all just before. don't need to worry. Have a quick rummage. Get out. Have a quick rummage and get out. So I don't know if they feel embarrassed going to a financial advisor and saying, actually, I've only got 500 quid. Oh, I'm a bit embarrassed to talk about my current financial situation or what I want. You know, we're very British and British people don't like to aim for the moon. You know, they don't like to say, oh, I want to do this and I want to have a million pound by the time I'm retired. I think it would almost be quite liberating if you sit with a good advisor who'll just, you know, you might just sit and you'll say the standard things that mm -hmm. you think they're expecting you to say. Yeah. And then if they kind of push and they push and they challenge a little bit more and eventually you, you just, maybe you'll find yourself coming up with dreams and ideas that you hadn't even thought of because, you know, we're all so busy and you're just getting by day today and you're looking mm -hmm. forward to Friday and then it's weekend then you're back at work on a Monday and somebody to stop and sit you down and say, right, come on, like, let's think about this. Yeah. The stuff that we've talked about with your wills and your life insurance, they're all big, sticky, thorny issues. And maybe, maybe there's a sense of relief and, um, like I said, liberation in dealing with these things and kind of, you know, getting your head out of the sand about it. And like I said, when I sat down and talked about my will, it wasn't that bad. It's something I've put for the 35 years. It, it just really wasn't that bad. It's sometimes the thought of something's always worse than actually doing it, isn't it? Yeah, and I think it's not even just that the 
that it's a figure, it's like it could go the other way. It could make you sit and go, well, actually, maybe I should think bigger. Maybe I should be aiming for the moon. You know, yeah, imagine, that, imagine working for 10 years, particularly you if it's in a job to. that you don't even like and you don't have to Fuming. because you didn't sit and have that conversation. You didn't sit with somebody didn't who could help you plan it and figure yeah. it out. It's just I've worth that conversation. financial plans where people are in huge amounts of debt. Yeah. And, you know, it's not something where they would normally talk about about it because it's embarrassing or they've had businesses that have failed yeah, and yeah. they're in a really bad part of their life and that's, that's it, actually not... might be when you need financial advice more exactly. than when you've got a lot of money in the bank. They're not all coming in and sat there with £100,000 in the bank or yeah. like you say the Beckhams millions pounds, that's not the people that are needing the advice, it's the people who are wanting to get that plan and that structure. Or certainly those people who are at that age of they're coming out of the student loan or you know they're thinking about university or they're you know just come out the other side. Marriage, kids, all the big things that fundamentally change mm -hmm. your life, to sit and chat with somebody know that the steps that you're taking are the right ones mm -hmm. even just when to get married and when to start saving for house deposit and when to have children these things should be planned absolutely so we've been talking a lot about how there are some financial decisions which are a bit awkward, they're emotional, a bit daunting. But we wanted to get out and speak to others in financial services to ask them how they can help people feel more confident with getting financial advice. But also that we just wanted to check that we weren't the only two people in finance who were a bit slack with our own life admin. Um, do you want me to put anything um, really sexy into your blurb about when I introduce you? Good luck with that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm you very can... creative. <laughs> yeah. I have actually um, Googled, can you die of boredom as well? Can you? You can't. Oh. And you can't surf a tsunami. Good news. You must have very little. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know when you didn't give your full Sunday name, but it is Party Dan Moody, isn't it? Party Dan. <laughs> a friend of mine says on my gravestone, it said, if Dan's having a good time, no one else does. So I don't, I don't know if you've got, got to that level of, uh, of me yet. So, Dan, when you go to parties, for example, how do you introduce yourself? Um, what do you say your job is? Interesting question. A, I don't really go to parties, but if I did go to one, <laughs> I'd say marketing manager, but I don't really get into the finance side of things. And I think that's the same for a lot of people. It's yeah, is that like intentional? Do you feel like you, you actively avoid getting into the finance side a of things? Bit. Yeah, yeah, certainly for my friends as well, because um, they just generally aren't that interested. Yeah. I have to be honest. Bearing in mind your marketing background, I know generally your marketing is within the sector, but what do you wish more people knew about finance? I think for me, it's just this awareness of it. Um, I just don't know, certainly any of my friends or whatever, have, we've just never even had any conversation about, you know, you never go to a pub and go, oh, I just smashed it, got a nicer rate that was, <laughs> that was stellar. <laughs> oh, my pension's absolutely you, going you through the roof. <laughs> <laughs> but this is saying, I just don't think there's enough awareness of it. Yeah. I don't think. I just don't know any of my friends or parents have actually had this conversation. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and I think sometimes as well for people, it's just... <sighs> It's almost like they need some life coaching as well, you know, so I don't know if that's another route in for schools, you know, yeah. rather than going straight in with this whole... Uh, Technical Yeah, detail, just yeah. actually what you want to do with your life. Yeah. You know, I want a house. Okay, well, how are you going to, how are you going to exactly pay for that? that yeah. When do you want to move into a house? You know, all this sort of stuff. So I think there's probably two elements, the financial sort of planning side of things yeah. and the, the sort of coaching or life coaching side as well, which is a bit of a shame because I think there's a lot of people that have this problem. They don't know they've got the problem until it's too late and all of a sudden it's just oh my God, I've got to start throwing some money into a pension. That's going to cost you five grand a month <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to try and hit the you know, desired amount. But I think that's the reality of it. I was speaking to my grandparents um, over Christmas and they're both around 90 years old. Um, and my granddad was going, you know, I just didn't expect to live this long. Yeah. You know, and he's just starting to hit them financially now. And he just said, you know, they keep having to update their will and all this sort of stuff. And they actually make a bit of a day of it. You know, get some out, oh. get, get some out there flat and have a bit of laugh. But he just said, I just... I was <laughs> 
But they do. It's just the way they are. You're you know. going to die first. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, put a little bit of a bed on, you know. Um, but they, you know, it's just I think they just didn't expect to live that long. You know, mm. they're thinking actually, I thought I'd be long gone by eighty. And it's like tough luck, Granddad. You're still here. You know? <laughs> Go and get a paper round or something. You know. We were saying this before, weren't we? You could easily be retired for forty, fifty years. The kind of the way that um, mortality just keeps increasing and. It's a lot of saving that you need to do to be able to financially support yourself for all that time. Especially when you're only working 40 or 50 years. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, I was trying to look at mine the other day and, you know, chances guys said, you know, how much do I need to retire with? Is it 300 grand? You know, because that's what I read. That was the right. retire comfortably, Headline. whatever that means. Yeah. Um, you know, Not in London. <laughs> no, that's the thing. It's just like, I hope the house property keeps, it keeps going up. But it's just a bit of a bit of a wake-up call, you know. You just see the figures, you think... I'm I'm miles off. Yeah, I'm literally yeah. miles off here. Um, and then it's that: do you pay more into pension? Do you pay your mortgage off? Yeah. You know, but it's having that steer and knowing what to do. And I don't think everybody would just be sitting there having a chat about it and going, "I know, I must call a financial advisor." Or yeah. what role do you think technology plays in that? You know, I was reading a stat the other day that it's like one of the biggest drivers that people want to use technology to get, <clears throat> excuse me, advice. But on the flip side, you hear companies that offer robo advice that are just not even making any money. So and actually, just to kind of explain as well for people who don't know, so robo advice is this kind of new wave of getting advice, so rather than the traditional method of going and sitting with an advisor and. Um, doing it all face to face there is technology where you can go online and you know if you do have a hundred pound a month that you want to pop into an IC you can fill in a questionnaire and it'll recommend um, a portfolio and then you can kind of invest that way so it was it's been designed as a low cost easy way to get people into financial services yeah and I think there's just a lot of terminology isn't there within financial services generally you know even you just mentioned robo there and in, you know you said the word investment I think people just close yeah. down and go it's complicated I can't afford it yeah. rather than it just being a saving or you know whatever the right terminology is for this sort of thing um, but I just don't think the industry's quite cracked just cracked the messaging I don't think really yeah. within finance people they're all on the same mission as we are in terms of trying to get people outside of finance aware of it and you know kind of promoting the positive and yes the bad stuff gets the headlines but actually there is a really nice community it is a nice world to be part of and it's partly why we're doing the podcast because we want to kind of shine this light on financial services and just even the fact that you've got marketing skills digital skills and that maybe people wouldn't even consider that you could apply something so creative to an industry that's considered quite dry yeah and I think that's a good thing especially um I suppose with the tech side as well so you know to try and maybe rip up you know the form book a little bit same as you guys really it's just to you know put a different slant on it you know it's not all grey suits and waistcoats do you know what I mean it's just got that that stigma yeah I think there is a perception of marketing as well and it's all just colouring in and sitting together <laughs> drinking coffees you know wearing you know corduroy suits with elbow patches and all that sort of stuff <laughs> no but it's not suits, no corduroy yeah. suits I mean what's in your wardrobe I know. also when you yeah, talk about look colour, at me. <laughs> when you talk about colouring in can you stay within the lines I can. Crayola don't always do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You rebel. I know. So if you weren't a digital marketing manager for an amazing fintech company, um, what would you be? You could wave a magic wand. It doesn't have to be finance. What would you do? So I was in a band years ago for quite a long time. Oh, and right. I was doing that until I was about 25. Doing what? I was a drummer. Oh, I actually wrote the songs as well. So as soon as you say drummer, everyone goes, oh, no. And it's then... notorious that the drummer's the wild one, isn't it? Stupid, wild. Yeah. I'll leave it up to you to decide. But yeah, I was doing that until about 25, and then we were doing quite well and never quite made it. And then your sort of brain kicks in and says, come on, you've got to do something sensible. There's also that kind of, 
you know, people coming into a professional sector and thinking these people know everything and I'm a little bit intimidated by it. Um, I haven't really got much money or I don't know where to start. And they can be intimidated. What they don't realise is that, you know, we've kind of most of us have all been there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we were talking um, the other day about how rubbish we have with our own life admin. You know, yes. we don't make the perfect financial decisions. Yeah. Joe hasn't got a will. <gasps> Dan, have you got a will? <laughs> no. And you're talking about life cover just now, so I'm just slightly nervous there's a, oh, a hatchet also, behind you or something. But, um, um, we do have yeah, life no, cover, Cathy and I, but Cathy does not know where her documents are. Do you have life cover? I do. Do you know where your documents are? Oh, I mean, you're somewhere, the bad part of both of us. Yeah, somewhere rattling around. Um, no, I mean, it's, that's another one, isn't it, Wills? You know, you just need to... It's what you're saying earlier. I've never actually thought about dying before. You don't want to think about dying, yeah. do you? Yeah, pretty Even amazing. as a drummer. <laughs> <laughs> but you've died on stage. Okay. I'm sure you were very good. I'm sure you were very good. I'm only joking. Imagine if there was an app to get a will. Oh. Like you might die app or something. You might die. Well, not mice. I mean, no, you will. You will. Oh, you will. Oh. oh. You Trademark will it. die, yeah. <laughs> But no, it's that sort of thing, though, isn't it? It's just making these things easier, mm-hmm. you know, because there is this barrier just think, oh, I just can't be bothered. And, you know, if you want to change bank, can't be bothered. want to change mobile network, I can't be bothered. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the thing, isn't it? You just do need that kick sometimes or a steer or an educational push or whatever it is. You don't know what you don't know. Speaking of interesting questions, Transformers. Right. <laughs> <laughs> do you think they should have car insurance or life insurance? <laughs> Do they need life insurance? Are they going to die? That's the question. Well, Are they actually going to die? I mean, if the the baddies come along and blow them up. The baddies. <laughs> <laughs> this this, this whole conversation has gone downhill really quickly, isn't it? Megatron. Yeah. Megatron. Do they come along and blow them up? Right. Either please one. stop with that. Megatron is oh. the villain, but he's a name. He's not the Megatrons. Oh. It's Autobots. You're going to go back yeah. to work and just go, right, OK, so what Bam. we need is a will app and also something to do with Transformers. Crayon, crayons out, guys. Let's get the cordray on. Let's have a brainstorm and smash it. Get them patches yeah. on. My jacket's fine. It doesn't need patches. It needs patches. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, thanks, Dan. That thanks. was great. Have you got anything else you want to say or anything? I don't think so. Um, did you have anything? I know you'd made some notes. Is there anything you want me to ask you so you look good on a podcast? <laughs> Well, I think I've just absolutely ruined that. <laughs> oh, no, I think, There's I know, nothing I think good it's... that's come out of this from my perspective. Thanks, Dan. Thank so, you. No problem. been a huge change when we first started in financial services we're talking about misconceptions about the man in the gray suit and he's 50 when we started in financial services that wasn't a misconception Mm -hmm. that was reality Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. every event we went to was absolutely full of older men (laughs) without you know sounding um, negative about it but that was just the way it was and it was very rare to have younger people and females yeah so we talk about misconceptions but actually when we started that was the exact reality whereas now you know look at you you've got you're one of the most qualified people in the country and you've got pink hair and you swear and you drink wine um come to Selling me it. <laughs> but people can you know you're a normal person i don't know if i ever did i tell you this or you might have heard of it so tina so she's um, a financial advisor and she used to say one of the reasons she liked going to financial advice conferences is because there was never a queue at the ladies because nine times out of ten she was the only female in the entire conference so you know they'd have the coffee break and you would just have men queuing out the door 
at the boys' toilets and she could go straight in. And then one of the things that she'd said recently is, oh, there started to be a bit of a queue at the ladies, which is great because it means that there's more women advisors attending these conferences. Um, but, you know, not so good if your bladder's full. There is that. There is that, yeah. I think there's still, the majority is still how it used to be, but it's hugely changing. And so if I was looking for a financial advisor now for the first time, I could probably do a bit of a search, see who's around, but quite quickly find somebody who's, you know, my demographic, who's geographically close by, if I've got a preference over male or female, if I've got a preference around age range. Do you and, want somebody with pink hair and Converse t-shirt? Um, and wine. Somebody will meet me in a pub. <laughs> Fine, yeah, agreed. Feel that there should be a database for that. There should be. So there is, um, there are websites where you can filter down your advisors, but I don't think will consume alcohol at initial meeting as one of the filters, and maybe it should be. Tattoos, <laughs> preferable. Yes, yeah. Well, even that, So, and, and this wasn't just in finance, I guess. This is a professional conception that you need to be of a certain age because then that demonstrates experience. But we know the, the pace at which financial services changes, that actually the experience you got 20, 30, 40 years ago, it doesn't matter anymore, it's changed entirely yeah. the world. Um, how you dress. But exactly that, I think, I wouldn't dream of meeting my accountant or, you know, um, my undertaker. And then if they were in jeans thinking, oh, you can't bury the body. Do you think advisors, some advisors, make it worse for themselves? Because if you go onto a lot of the websites, mm -hmm. they use stock images and they oh, are yeah. of men in suits and, and older people, the couple on the beach, beach. <laughs> <laughs> skipping along. It, yeah. So actually, if you're, you know, we're trying to say to people, finance isn't exactly what you think. And then the first website they go on is full of 60 year olds skipping down the beach from men in suits. Then, so. But then again, they, it's very difficult to put your head above the parapet, isn't it? And say, yes, yeah. look at me, I'm different because you feel like you're alienating the market the company that we used to work was very much kind of you had to answer the phone within three rings because our boss was convinced that if you didn't <laughs> everyone would think that the business had gone under rather and they would than all you were leave. just busy yeah exactly yeah. that and um, there's a financial advice website so i'm trying to think which one it was their profiles their bios they're all cartoons of themselves and they're oh, like yes. caricatures mm -hmm. so it enhances obviously a particular mm -hmm. thing of them and just even that i think you immediately if you googled financial advisors and you came across that website and it's somebody nearby to you and the language is in plain english and it's got their fees on the website so you know what you're going to be charged you're not afraid of it you see kind of quirky bios and you get to know a little bit of the personality behind it wouldn't that immediately make you feel a lot more comfortable having a conversation with them um this podcast was hosted by kathy harrison and joe campbell brought to you by second draft thanks to mark and glenn thanks also to natalie and naomi from the marketing team and everybody at Verve Group who's contributed to the podcast, along with the Art of Finance, um, who've helped us along. Also, thank you to Dan Moody. Thank you very much, everybody. If you want to get in touch, you can give us a shout at hello at thatmintpodcast.co.uk. Drop us a message on Twitter at thatmintpodcast. And if you would be so kind, please leave us a review at wherever you're listening to this podcast. A positive one, please. Yes, please, positive. Five stars only, thank you. <laughs> It goes up to five, doesn't it? <laughs> oh my god, stop speaking. <laughs> that also. I have actually um, Googled can you die of boredom as well. Can you? You can't. Oh. And you can't surf a tsunami. Good news for the Google listeners to this well. podcast. Yeah. <laughs> it's going off Keep listening. <laughs> Why would you um, Google like, if you could die of boredom? I was really bored one day and just thought, oh, I'm not sure if I'm 
Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure if I'm slipping away here. Quick, find my will. If only there was an app. How would you ever prove that somebody died of boredom? Yeah. Mm-hmm. If they die mid-podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, yeah, fill in the survey. Disclaimer, <laughs> please do your will before listening yeah. to this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>